you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with Vince Samperio of Chavezerine Fiends. Vince, we're finishing up our 41st consecutive week of five episodes a week. How how's that feel? Oof, I have, uh, that feels like a lot of talking. But, <laughs> but you know, a lot of talking with you, so it's not all bad. Aw, that's sweet. Um, today we're going to talk with each other about the Dodgers, and our topics will be questions that were submitted by the people who listen to this show. So thank you all for your questions. We're going to get to a bunch of them that you guys sent in. We got some really good questions. So that's the plan for today. But first we want to remind you, please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers, wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast locked on Dodgers. All right, Vince. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll start with a, a couple questions that are kind of similar. And then we'll use that to segue into some, uh, some of the latest rumors, and then we'll jump back into the questions. So a question from Joe Kelly Fight Club at Dodgers underscore Matt. He asked the chances of Dodgers trading for Nolan Arenado. And question from Julie Fimbris at Javi, no, that's not, that's at J-Y underscore Fimb. Uh, Chances of the Dodgers making any significant moves before the start of the season. Uh, You want to touch on those, Vince? Yeah, um, the chances for Arenado, I'd say, are slim to none. The Rockies, one of the reports said that they're not really trying to trade in the division. The Dodgers don't really have a motivation to overpay for Arenado right now, so I don't think there's any reason for that. Uh, when it comes to chances for a big move, uh, I'm on the more pessimistic side, I'd say, 20% right now that they make a big move before the season starts. Even with some of the new reports that came out, I'm just still a little skeptical of you know how much motivation they have and what they want to do and what other teams are asking for. Yeah, and uh, you know the, there's talk today you know, on Thursday. The latest rumor from John Morosi was that the Dodgers are more inclined or at least as inclined to go after Mookie Betts as Francisco Lindor. It seems like the Indians maybe aren't backing off their demand of Gavin Lux, and the Dodgers don't want to do that. And so they pivoted maybe to Mookie Betts, uh, which would probably bring David Price with him. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we talked just on yesterday's show. I, I said Mookie Betts is at the top of my list of who I would like the Dodgers to get uh, when we're talking about those those big names. We didn't talk about Nolan Arenado on yesterday's show, but... Like I said, I don't think that's realistic. But uh, even though David Price isn't what he used to be, uh, when he's healthy, he's still <laughs> a, a solid veteran pitcher who eats innings. And and I almost feel like the innings eating is at least as important to the Dodgers who have a pretty clear path to winning the division. They don't necessarily need an ace in the regular season, 
but a guy who can eat innings to allow their younger guys to to progress and develop so that by the time October comes around, we will have guys like Dustin May and Julio and guys like that who are ready to contribute in October. Uh, so I don't, I, I'm actually excited about the possibility of David Price, which, and maybe it's just because he would come with Mookie Betts, but do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, obviously if they got Mookie Betts and them taking on Price would lower the cost of prospect-wise and, and player-wise. And, you know, like you said, a guy that, can go out there every fifth day for the most part, give you five or six innings of, even if it's league average pitching, uh, it's pretty much all they need, especially with all the depth that they've lost. They still have the depth, but it's just a different type of depth. There's not a, I know it's weird to say, but there's not a Ryu who after the last two years was, you know, he's going to give you pitch every fifth day, um, barring any major injuries. Rich Hill, when, as long as his finger wasn't blistering up, was pretty much out there every fifth day when when healthy. So they don't have those type of guys anymore. So they got a bunch of younger guys who they probably want to watch how many innings they pitch throughout the year. So a guy like David Price would would fit that bill. And it, like I said, if it comes with Mookie Betts, which is the, probably the only way they would they would get David Price anyway. So uh, yeah, I'd be excited for it. And like I said, I, I'm skeptical of overall, but I would I'm not. Uh, I'd still think it could happen. Yeah. Uh, and that actually transitions pretty well into our next question from Javi at Franco, F-R-A-N-C-O-O-H-H, uh, says, after letting Ryu and Hill walk, do you believe management expects the younger pitchers, Julio, May, even Gonsolin, to step up, or are they just biding their time for the right trade? I think it's a little bit more of the former, but also a little bit of the latter. Obviously, if a trade opens up f- so far, it's been, you know, Lindor, Clevenger have kind of been lumped together, and then Betts and Price have been lumped together. Obviously, Clevenger and Price are, are a little bit different, but at the end of the day, they're both guys that are going to pitch for you every time through the rotation. But I think the Dodgers are comfortable with their younger guys, which is why they've, you know, let Ryu walk and let Rich Hill walk, even though Rich Hill's going to be done until June or July. But I think they're comfortable enough with enough of the younger guys and Stripling and Maeda and Kershaw and Bueller, I mean that that's a that's a four man rotation right there that is already proven to be able to pitch every fifth day and they kinda, you know, would have to fill that fifth spot with the other guys if they really wanted to. So I think they're they're expecting the younger guys to be good and it's just a matter of managing how often they pitch. But you know, I obviously if a trade comes along that they can get a guy, a starting pitcher of a decent caliber, then they're gonna go for that as well. Yeah. Yep. So that uh, breaks into a little bit of another question that we got, or more of a statement, not in the question form, but enough of a question from L.A. Bum at L.A. Bum. I feel the Dodgers are much better off acquiring a player like Mike Clevenger or Charlie Morton for a deep postseason run. Said that they'd like the trade to happen sooner rather than later so the Dodgers can manage the pitching usage the way they see fit. Yeah, and you know I can see that, um, and, and that is one approach. Uh, it's hard for me to see Charlie Morton being available right now. Um, I mean, he's going to be making $15 million each of the next two years from the Rays. That is a lot for a Rays team, uh, but it's also, uh, I mean, the Rays are contenders. The Rays were really good last year, and so it's hard to see them trading 
the guy who just finished third in, in the Cy Young voting, unless they were blown away by an offer. Clevenger, you know, who knows what the Indians are doing? I never know what the Indians, uh, what their plan is. So Clevenger might be available, but you know, an alternative option would be this approach that we were talking about with David Price or somebody like that to eat innings and then and then reevaluate closer to the trade deadline and say, okay, you know, do we feel like Dustin May is progressing to to be a solid number three starter in the postseason? Do we feel like, you know, Julio is is ready to to be a number three starter in the postseason? You know, and basically look at things in July and say, do we have a postseason rotation we're happy with? And if not, let's look and see who's out of the race. If at that point the Rays are, you know, out, out of the pennant race and they're open to trading Morton, great. Or if the Indians are out and they want to trade Clevenger, great. Uh, but I feel like right at this point when the Indians and Rays theoretically both still have uh, playoff aspirations, I think it's going to be hard to to pry those pitchers away. Uh, you're going to have better luck getting a guy like Price who, like I said, they don't really need him for the regular season as far as the results go. Anything they get from David Price other than innings is going to be a bonus. And so... Uh, I'd be okay with that. And, and then they can reevaluate uh, one thing we've seen, not as much in 2019, but in the three years before that, the Dodgers are aggressive at the trade deadline and in addressing their needs. They tried in 2019, but their need was bullpen and none of the good relievers got moved. So, uh, But if the Dodgers need starting pitching come July, then they can assess that market and, and go from there. Uh, and I think that's probably a more likely likely outcome. So. Um. Let's take a break from there, I think. Uh, we will be back to answer some more questions and do our obscure former Dodgers, so keep it locked on Dodgers. All right, let's jump into our obscure former Dodger. Uh, I was had on my mind, I you know, we've been talking about the Dodgers potentially trading for big stars, and uh, I was thinking back to a guy who, there, there's a guy, Vince, who is in the Hall of Fame and played for the Dodgers, made two all-star teams as a Dodger, um, played three and a half seasons with the Dodgers, uh, but probably very few Dodger fans are familiar with him. His name is Billy Herman. Are you familiar with Billy Herman? I am not. Billy Herman played most of his career with the Cubs, came up with the Cubs in 31, replaced Rogers Hornsby as the Cubs' second baseman, uh, and then uh, early in the 1941 season, uh, the Cubs traded him to the Dodgers for a couple role players. He then played uh, regularly for the Dodgers until late 1946 when the Dodgers traded him to the Boston Braves. And, uh, and then he finished out 46 with the Braves and played 1947 with the Pirates. And that was it for his playing career. He also, uh, he was a player manager with the Pirates in 1947. Uh, and then he was the manager of the Red Sox in the mid-60s for well, two and a half years or so, year and a half maybe, uh, parts of three seasons. Uh, but yeah, Billy Herman, one thing that I noticed about him, uh, he he did play in the, I, I mentioned he was an all-star for the Dodgers a couple times, and uh, he actually had two hits, where is it? Yeah, he had two hits in each of his two All-Star games as a Dodger. So in the All-Star game, he ended up four for eight. 
uh, as a Dodger and uh, in 1941 and 43. His full name was, depending on who you ask, it was either William Jennings Herman or William Jennings Bryan Herman. Everybody can agree he was named after William Jennings Bryan, the, the guy who ran for and lost the presidential race three or four times in the late 1800s and early 1900s and was later Secretary of State. Uh, baseball Reference has him listed as William Jennings Bryan Herman, uh, but according to Billy Herman himself, he said, my name is William Jennings Herman. So who knows what his name was, but uh, yeah, he played a few years with the Dodgers, and uh, even though he's a Hall of Famer, he ended up being a kind of obscure former Dodger. So there he is. <laughs> that is your milieu of former Dodgers. That's what I do best, man. Um, all right. Next question, Vince, from Kevin at Blue Goon 82. As it stands now, Gavin Lux and AJ Pollock might be fighting for the final spart- starting spot at either second base or outfield thanks to positional flexibility by Cody and Muncie. Who starts between Lux and Pollock? All right. Um, <clears throat> well, the answer is Gavin Lux if it's between those two. But obviously it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, if the roster stands pat as it is, um, you'd see Muncie at first and Lux at second, and then you'd probably see a tandem of Jock and Pollock and left with Doogie, or Doogie in right or Belly in right and the other one in center. So I think at this point, I don't know if Pollock has the... I don't know if he has that starting spot guaranteed, kind of how he did last year. I think he has to fight for it, and I think Gavin Lux has a little bit of a more guarantee to start than AJ Pog does at this point in time. So, yeah, I totally ahead. agree. So, yeah. All right. Um, Blue Goon, our guy Blue Goon eighty two had another question. He asked about tandem starters to take advantage of the depth after Bueller and Kershaw. He said, uh, Julio and Gonsolin, May Maeda, Stripling, and bringing back Alex Wood or some other free agent to fill out the third through fifth spots in the rotation. Your thoughts on that potential uh, rotation of tandem starters? Yeah, you know, I, I like the idea in theory. Um, the problem is if you that that's basically an eight-man rotation you're looking at there. Um, and so if you have eight, you know, quote-unquote starting pitchers, that leaves you with five relief pitchers at the most. Um, and the problem is uh, Bueller and Kershaw aren't going to, I mean, they're going to need relief pitchers. They're going to, you could probably count on them for six innings, most starts, hopefully seven once in a while, occasionally eight, but uh, they're still going to need, need relievers. And even uh, these tandem starters, you know, uh, Dustin May and Kenta Maeda, you would hope that the two of them could go eight innings combined, but it's not a guarantee. And so I feel like the, the my concern would be the bullpen crunch. Uh, you know, I think you it would end up falling apart a little bit, and they'd end up having to say, "Oh, uh, Kenta got knocked out of his his tandem start. He only threw 26 pitches three days ago, so we're going to bring him back in relief because we're we're short relievers." I, I you know, not saying it couldn't work. Uh, but I think there's enough question marks, including the big question mark of who is that last one that Alex Wood or somebody. Uh, well, there aren't many or somebody's left, you know, and you know, I like Alex Wood, but I don't know that he is really the answer there. 
Um, so there's that question mark. And then just, just overall, uh, it's hard to see, hard to see them going that extreme. I could see them going with maybe one set of tandem starters, but doing something like this with three sets of tandem starters doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah, that's a little bit much. Uh, next question from Albert Villanueva at Insu Restaurants. Will Dodger Stadium improve the food and drink selections as part of the customer experience improvement plan? Well, I would say yes. Um, ideally, that's what they'd be doing. I don't know. You know, drink selections, I would imagine that means alcoholic drinks, and they have a, a decent selection. You just have to walk around for it in terms of, like, craft beers and stuff. When it comes to food, I think the Dodgers have been trying to do better last few years, but... They were so far behind from before that everything they're doing is kind of still one or two years behind what some other teams have been doing. I know the one thing that they talked about this past season, it didn't happen. Uh, it happened a couple times during the season, actually, but not as often as they probably wanted, was getting you know local food places or, or food trucks or whatever to come into the stadium and have little pop-up shops. I know that thing they did it a couple times, um, but not all the time, I know. Howlin' Ray is the hot chicken place that's in uh, downtown. Was was supposed to do it during the season, but it didn't, didn't end up happening. So I can imagine that they're trying to set all that up, and with all the extra stuff going on in the outfield, I'd imagine that's where that's going to fill up. So I want to say yes, and I think the Dodgers are going on the right track. I don't know if it'll be enough to get me to eat in the stadium yet, but um, you know, if, at least it'll give me – I won't have to rush if I'm like, all right, I can just eat at the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting to me that they haven't haven't done more of that, you know, and I guess there's some some logistical things just because the stadium's so old, you know, that it wasn't built with that in mind. Uh, but maybe with these renovations, they can do that. I, I still think they need to get in and out in there. If I could get a double-double at a Dodger game, that's the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah, that, that would be really good. All right, so another – not, not the same person. A question from Austin at Austin on standby. If you, Jeff, were in the Dodgers front office and you can only extend one of Cody Bellinger and Walker Bueller, who do you pick and why? Um, yeah, there's a few ways to go with this question. Uh, my, my instinct is to say I reject the premise of only being able to, to extend one of them, but I will play along with the question. Um, one thing that, you know, if we're talking about uh, not knowing why you can only extend one of them, if it's a, you know, on the Dodger side of things, they've decided they can only afford to extend one of them. I might be inclined to lean towards Bueller just because Bellinger is is represented by Scott Boris, and Bueller isn't. Um, but overall, I, I'm more nervous about pitchers long term than about hitters because uh, pitchers' arms fall off, and and a guy can be great and then not great anymore. And hitters are usually obviously hitters can get hurt too. But I feel like the the attrition rate isn't as bad for hitters, so I would be inclined to extend Bellinger, even though if they stay healthy, I think Bueller might be the more valuable player over the long term. Uh, but I think Bellinger's chances of staying healthy are higher, so I'd probably go with Bellinger. Yeah, that would have been interesting for us to go back and forth, but. Same thinking for you, but uh, I'd probably go with Bueller. Just off top, quick answer. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Let's uh, just really quickly, I'm going to work in this one from Steve Stout at Steve3PO. What am I supposed to do without Dick Mountain attempting to bat every fifth day when healthy? And I'll tell you what to do, Steve. Um, watch some of the guys who are still on the team who are actually good at hitting. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't want anybody to stop listening to this, this podcast because I besmirched Rich Hill's hitting ability or his base running ability or anything else that he's really bad about that people pretend he's good at. Or because so. Jeff hates fun. Uh, no, I just think I have YouTube. So if I want to watch somebody do something they're bad at, I can find all sorts of that on YouTube. But if I'm paying to watch a baseball game, I want to watch people do things they're good at. So I want to be entertained though. Eh, that's what YouTube's for. There's bad pitchers on the other team. So it's not like we're losing anything by letting our chill back. <laughs> I guess. Uh, last question. Maybe we'll both talk about this one from Jacob Norling at Jacob Norling. Do you think when the Dodgers finally win it all, it'll be as euphoric as we fans desire it to be? Or will heartbreak after heartbreak leading to many fans feeling numb by now make it a hollowed out feeling when and if they finally win a championship? There might be fans that feel that way. Um, I am not one of those fans. It will be as euphoric as I imagine it to be. Tears will be streaming. Um, you know, everything else that you can think of will be happening. I'll be very emotional and very probably obnoxious for like the next few months after the World Series once it happens. Um, because that's, you know, what we're, we're fans because we love the Dodgers and, we, you know, we like to watch them play. And we, me and you talk about a lot enjoying the season. But to have a season finally culminate in what the goal is would be pretty pretty great so i you know i don't think if anything losing more and more all this other all this time uh you know just make it that much sweeter i mean the cubs waited forever and i don't think their celebrations felt hollow after they won yeah the the cubs are a good comparison because the dodgers uh <laughs> streak of not winning world series doesn't compare to what the the cubs had or the red sox had or the white sox had and those teams their fans definitely, if anything, they appreciated it more because of the struggles. Um, the Dodgers haven't gotten to two World Series the past few years and lost it. I think, if anything, that will build up more and more uh, anticipation. I do think there will be negativity and pessimism right up until the last out of the last game of the World Series if the, when the Dodgers do win it. Um, because I think even if the Dodgers sweep the World Series, I think you're still going to have people going into game four wondering how they're going to manage to blow it. Um, I won't be one of those people because I believe optimism is more fun than pessimism. Uh, but, uh, but once that final out is recorded and we see there's no flags on the field and it actually counts, uh, then, yeah, I think the euphoria will be every bit as good as, uh, as everybody's hoping for. I think the bigger question is how long will it last? Because, you know, uh, the baseball is very much a what have you done for for me lately kind of sport. And everybody right now is saying, all I want is to see the Dodgers win one World Series in my lifetime. Well, once they've won that one, uh, you're going to want that second one. And I'm interested to see how negative Dodgers Twitter will be the year after when in May they lose three straight games and – they're, you know, they struggle with runners in scoring position. How quick it'll be. Oh, typical Dodgers can't hit with runners in scoring position. They suck. You know, or if, uh, how, how long that, that World Series championship hangover will last if it'll even get us through one whole season afterwards. 
Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it'll ease a lot of Dodgers Twitter up. But uh, you know, there's always going to be those people that uh, just can never be satisfied. Yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I I think this is the year. I've thought that for the last 31 years. So, uh, but actually, I haven't thought that every year. That's the thing. You know, one one thing that I really appreciate is that we can legitimately go into every season thinking this might be the year. And as much as you know, I, there's people who have jumped ship from the Dodgers to the Angels because they're so mad at Andrew Friedman. Well, Angels fans don't wake up every March thinking this might be the year that we win the World Series. It's, you know, they think, uh, well, maybe somebody besides Mike Trout will know how to play this year. And, you know, and, and it doesn't mean the Angels won't win a World Series before the Dodgers, unfortunately. But what we have every year is a team that has a shot. And there is a lot of value in that. And it's something that uh, I I personally don't take for granted. Uh, you got any other thoughts, Vince? No, um, good questions. A lot of variety in questions. Usually it's not the same, uh, you know, who the Dodgers are going to trade for, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It was a nice variety of questions, so good job, guys. Yeah, good questions. Thank you all for your questions. Uh, we will be back next week for five more episodes. We'll be back on Monday uh, you know, who knows, there might be news this weekend that we'll get to talk about. If not, we will have other Dodger stuff to talk about for you on Monday. So please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. If you have Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use it, please subscribe there to help other people find us. Please tell your friends who are Dodger fans all about our show. Uh, I had a friend ask me tonight, what, what do you do for your podcast when it's not baseball season? I said, we talk about the Dodgers. She's like, oh, I better listen. So yeah, you better. Uh, please rate and review us in iTunes, all that stuff. We're on social media, on Instagram, at Twitter, at LockedOnDodgers. Vince is on Twitter, at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter, at Snydog. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text at 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you will be too. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one.